Jesus, you are our King. Father, as we sing those words and we reflect on them this morning, help us to live out our lives in that way and manner. Help, to, help us to keep that on the forefront of everything that we do, that we remember that you are our King. Whenever we have decisions that need to be made, whenever we are even in, in an argument with uh, a coworker, a friend, or family, help us to remember who it is that we follow, who it is that we represent. Help us to remember what you've done for us. Help us to live out our lives for you. In thanksgiving, even in troubled times, that we remember you are still our king, that you still love us, you still care for us, and you are worthy. Father, thank you so much for all that you do. As we come to the throne of grace this morning, we ask for your continued blessings on us. Take away anything that... Uh, we are burdened with here today, this morning, and help us to focus our attention on you and who you are. Help us to be just steeped in your word today, not so that we can walk out of here with more head knowledge, but we can walk out of here and leave here knowing more about you and who you are, and be so excited about that, that we can't wait to tell somebody about you that we can't wait to share the hope that lies within us with others so they too might be able to have hope in the name of Jesus. Father, hide me behind the cross so people might see more of you and less of me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. My Lord, my strength and my Redeemer in whom I trust. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning again. Would you turn with me in your copy of God's Word this morning? We're going to be in Romans chapter 12, continue our series in the book of Romans. Romans 12 will be in verses 3 through 8 this morning. While you turn there, um, I want to uh, tell you this story um, about a person. In, in 1967, while on vacation, a young woman jumped into the Chesapeake Bay and Unfortunately, she misjudged how shallow the water was in, at the, the area she jumped into. And when she jumped in, she ended up fracturing her vertebrae and became a quadriplegic at the age of 17. She was paralyzed from the shoulders down. And in the midst of her rehab, as you can imagine, she went through a litany of emotions. She, she was angry, she was depressed, she was suicidal and even questioned her faith. She could not understand why God would send her through this tragedy. She couldn't fathom that a God who is loving would allow her to go through situations like this. In the midst of her rehab, she went through all these things and um, she thought her life was over. Of course, the life that she knew be before, of course, had changed tremendously, but she couldn't understand. But through all that, as she continued to work on her rehab, she learned to hold a pencil in her mouth and she began to write. 
She took up painting and by holding a brush in her mouth, being able to paint in that way. She caught the eye of many local people in her area. They just were um, enthralled by her paintings and her sketches that she was able to do. And she uh, was able to have her paintings and sketches in various art galleries. And she also began to share her story about what God had done for her in her life and what she was able to do and what people instantly got through her paintings and her sketches. The Lord surrounded her with strong and loving people who supported her, and through that, she regained her faith. She was strengthened. Not only did she gain notoriety from her painting, but also through her story of hope and faith. And later she was interviewed by the likes of Larry King and Barbara Walters. She wound up on the Today Show telling her story. And through that, uh, a book publisher saw her and invited her to write an autobiography. That book is called Joni, An Unforgettable Story was released in 1976 and has since been translated into over 50 languages and has sold over 50 million copies. In 1979, Joni and Friends was started as a Christian nonprofit to help other disabled people um, who needed the encouragement and the blessing that she had received from the Lord. She was married in 1982, something she never thought would happen given her disability and later also appointed to the National Council of Disability in 1988. She shared her story at Billy Graham Crusades in front of hundreds of thousands of people. Now, now I can be here all day recounting the lists of things this, this woman was able to do. She was faced with this tragedy of losing the ability to use her limbs, but she was strengthened by the Lord. Even though she couldn't move her arms and legs, God had given her a powerful message that needed to be shared. She realized and understood that she mattered. And even though there was a lot of things, she had to have people around her to care for her, to do normal things for her, she realized that the, 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 Lord, the Lord was going to use her in bigger and better things. That she could take this message and encourage others, not only so that they can uh, look beyond their own disabilities, but they would know the name of Jesus and their lives would be saved. What she realizes, despite what happened to her, she still mattered to God. I look at my own life and think about the things that I would hope that I would be able to do that I can't do, that others are able to, to do or they're, they're, able, they're blessed with doing. But still, the Lord has, has put in me his message that is transformative, that has a power behind it. And he's giving you that same message, that you also matter to God that you are important, that you can have an impact to his kingdom. How amazing is that? And, and we want to beat ourselves up, or, or I speak for myself. I, I tend to beat myself up a lot about, because I'm a perfectionist and I want to do everything just so. But even in that imperfection, 
the Lord who is perfect and has a, a mighty message is there working through me, working through you, giving you what you need in the right exact moment, giving you the exact words to say for people to hear. Even though her life was changed at the age of 17, she's since gone on to change the lives of so many people so that they might know the name of Jesus. Joni Erickson Tata has been quoted as saying, it's incredible, but I really would rather be in this wheelchair knowing Jesus instead of being on my feet, not knowing him. What a perspective that is. That is better for her knowing the name of Jesus, even despite her disability. That's powerful for us. I don't know where you are today, but we serve the same God that she does. Lord, our God loves you just as much as he loves her. There's a powerful message in you. You matter. And more importantly, you matter to this local church, this local body here. It's important for us. This is how we, 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 we motivate and we get the word out. I need you. As an under-shepherd, as, as your pastor, I need you. I value you. I love you. And you matter to me. You are important to me. Some people say, well, I don't have that many skills. What, what can I give to the local church? There's a lot that you can give. You underestimate the skill level, the knowledge, the experience, the impact that you can have on the kingdom through this local church. You matter. You are important. Let's start back in the beginning of Romans 12. Because when we started last week, in, in the first two verses, we talked about us being a living sacrifice to the Lord. So I want to rehearse that first and then get deeper as we go into verses 3 through 8. So look with me, Romans 12, starting in verse 1. It says, now concerning the spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be... Oh, I'm sorry, that is not the right... I've done this before, I tell you. I um, It's a good thing I didn't get through all the verses in uh, Corinthians before I noticed. Thanks for giving me some grace. Open up the wrong chapter. Now I'm Romans 12. You there with me? Romans 12, starting in verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Verse 3, For by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. We'll pause there. First, Paul was telling us that we need to have a re renewal of our mind. Um, we should think wisely about ourselves and, and what function we have in um, the, the body of Christ. 
Uh, some of us tend to think too much of ourselves, and others don't think enough of ourselves. But we should think about what God thinks about us. That, that should inform how we live our lives and how we go about the things that we do. Nobody should think more of themselves than anyone else because everything we have literally is a gift. Everything. You just say, well, I don't know. I earned my stuff. I don't. Well, you think you earned it, but God puts you in a place to be able to do the things that you do in order to earn the things that you have. And it's still a gift that can be taken away at any moment. Healthy self-esteem is important because some of us, like I said, think too little and some of us think too much. Though we don't want to overestimate ourselves and we don't want to underestimate either. The key for us is to have an honest and accurate self-evaluation and that is knowing the basis of our self-worth which includes our identity in Christ. We talk a lot about identities these days but the only identity that matters is our identity in Christ. That's all we got. That's all we have. It is God that made you and formed you into who you are. And so it matters what he says about you. Apart from Christ, we aren't able to do very much. And actually, we aren't able to do anything at all apart from Jesus Christ. In him, we're valuable and we're capable of worthy service. The God who spoke in the universe, leapt into existence, created you and, and loves you and cares for you. How amazing is that? I mean, some people talk about, well, I don't have many friends. And this person said this about me. And they're talking about how I'm my back. And they're, they're trying to do all these things. And we're worried about that. But that's of none of your concern because you serve a God that loves you and cares for you and uses you. That's what matters. That, that should be humbling. To, for me to even be standing before you today, knowing I don't deserve it, and, and I'm not charismatic, I don't have anything, all this stuff going on, but any and everything that I'm able to do is because of what Jesus Christ has done. And that's the message I want you to know. That's the message I want you to hear. If you evaluate by worldly standards, you're always going to fall to the wayside. It's going to cause you to think too much about yourself. In the eyes of the others, you, you just be worried about keeping up with the Joneses, and that's not for us. We need to understand our true value in God's eyes and who you are. You matter. You matter. For example, you don't brag about a birthday present that was given to you. Do you? You don't act like you, you bought it and, and like you deserve it or that you made the gift. You, you give recognition to the giver. And hopefully you say thank you. <laughs> and that's what we have from God, that the, he's given us so many gifts. And who are we to walk around with, you know, our nose up in the air acting like we deserve all these things and we're better than somebody else? You're not. I'm not. But that's okay, though, because God loves us. He cares for us. The goal um, 
isn't for us also on the other side to be self-loathing. It isn't to say, well, uh, I'm just so much nothing that that nobody cares for me. I'm just going to wallow in self-pity. That's not the goal either. The goal is for us to understand that, that, that the Lord being using us and, and, and elevating us is something special. That's something that um, God has given us according to the measure of his faith. And we shouldn't think less of ourselves if God has given somebody else something that you don't have because you got something somebody else doesn't have. Whether you know it or think it or not. You are equipped for the work that he has set before you. So we should be humble and faithful stewards of what God has given us. 1 Corinthians 4 and 7 says, For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? And if then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Hmm. God drew each of us to faith by grace and has given each of us uh, things so, so freely that, that we should receive them and give him the glory. First Peter 4 and 10 says, uh, for each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. These gifts that you've been given, that have been bestowed on you, are you being, or should be used to bless others and not as a way to build your own name and platform. It's funny that we live in a world today where there's such a thing as a celebrity pastor. It is an oxymoron. The gifts that God has given us is a gift from God and is not to use to build our own platform to get these private jets to fly around and do all these different things. The, the, the reason we've been given these gifts is to edify the body of Christ. I'm God, glad God didn't bless me with a celebrity pass. Because... <laughs> The, the problem is that you get put on this pedestal, you get this, this magnifying glass on you, and none of us are perfect. And so when those people fall, and we've seen it, that's a testimony to who Jesus Christ is. Good, bad, or indifferent. When people say, well, see, that's why I don't mess with those Christians. They're not any better than us having affairs and, and cheating on their taxes and, and doing all this stuff and being corrupt. That's why I don't go to church. because we want to raise our status and be on these platforms that are not meant for us. We're here to stand and say, what thus saith the Lord. But on the other side, it's good for us to remember this. So when there's tension in the church, when we try to understand what our place is in the church, you have to remember that the gifts that you have been given, you were given them to serve and bless others. So when we think about what is our role in the church, in the local church, we have to remember that unity always comes through humility and service. You know, that's why some, you know, pastors, jack of all trades, we do a little bit of everything, good, bad, or indifferent, right? Some, I clean some toilets sometimes. You know, I've been known to vacuum a time or two. 
<laughs> swing a you don't want me swinging a hammer, but I've done it. And I know many of you have come in and I've come in late at night to, to see people in here cleaning, washing the windows. What are you doing? Like it's gotta be, it's gotta get done. And I was driving by and I, I, I wanted to stop and get it done. That is a blessing to us as a local body, as a local church. Look with me in verse four. For as in one body, we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Man, I love, I love how Paul compares the local church to a body. And he does this in various of his letters where he talks about uh, the human body where each part of it functions uh, for the good of the whole. And all of, all of us have a body. And so we, we understand this. We get it, right? And sometimes your body don't always work right. You know, if you, for the younger people in here, you, you'll get your day. I remember being told this when I was young. It says, one day you're going to make some sounds when you get up out of a chair too, so be careful. But I love how Paul talks about this. and He talks about while our faith is, is personal, it's not individualistic. You know, we, we come together as, as this body. We've been called to love one another, and we've been called to use our gifts for the good of the body. This is so important. Don't miss this. Because you know fundamentally when you got something wrong with your ankle, man, you don't know how important your ankle is until it don't work. And you hobbling and limping and walking around. You think you don't need your pinky toe until you jam it on something. When it, when it doesn't work right, you un, it affects your entire body. And you start to compensate. Then all of a sudden your hips start working because you're compensating on your hip just because you, you jam your toe on something. Man, I don't know about you, this, this speaks to me very deeply. 1 Corinthians 12 and 7 says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Throughout the New Testament, Paul continues to use the body of Christ as a, a metaphor for the church. There's this, this idea of the body. And just as the body has many members that carry out important functions, so does the body of Christ. For you withholding your gift that God has given you is a detriment to the entire body. You matter. You matter to me. You matter to God. You matter to this local church. And when you're not here, it affects the entire body. This is what Paul is communicating to us. He wants us to understand and get this just as the body has many members that carry out important functions, so does the body of Christ. So this highlights our diversity by emphasizing the uniqueness of each member of the body. You know, the hand is very different than your foot, the arm different than the leg, your neck different than your hips. They all are different, but they serve together well. This metaphor also showcases our unity because we are all one body. So don't confuse, by the way, uh, unity with uniformity. It doesn't mean that we all look the same, that we all do the same things. 
there, there, there are some churches out there where everybody looks as they got the, the dress uniform and everything down to a T. But that's not a requirement for unity. We may not all look the same or act the same or think the same, but we are all united by the blood of Jesus. So here's the key. If you're not a functioning, serving member of a local church, you are living outside the will of God. That is a hard truth that you must hear. Because you are part of the body and you matter. You matter to me. You matter to the brothers and sisters who are here. You, you matter to God. And I'm speaking to each of you, to all of you who are joining us online as well. I love that we have so many people that join us online, but if you're in the Bolingbrook area, I urge you to come and join us in person. Uh, it's a different feel. It's a different vibe. I mean, you, you get the message, but you don't get the whole thing in entirety if you're not surrounded by the brothers and sisters in Christ. So if you're in a stone's throw of this church, I invite you to come and join us if you are able to do so in person. So the, the internet is, has been a wonderful gift for us. Coming out of the pandemic and going through all that stuff, it's been good to be able to leverage the internet and these cameras and things of that nature so that we can continue to, to proclaim God's word and people would hear that message. But, but we got lazy. We've taken these things for granted. Well, why do I need to go to the building? I can just turn it on on YouTube. Have people probably turned it off by now. But, but we, we're here to, to, to gather as a body of believers to be in, encouraged and strengthened. This is an outreach and an evangelistic tool. This is not to take the place of us getting together in person. Now, folks online, I've loved being able to connect with you. Um, man, it's, it's been a great blessing, the people I've been able to meet online, either through our services or through my podcast. And I've just been able to help and pray for people. But the, the most important thing that I've been able to do is help folks who are maybe not in the Bolingbrook area, may not even be Illinois. And I've been able to help them to find a local church. So to me, it's all worth it because they understand and get how important it is not only to, to be in the word, but to be surrounded by other people who are believers in Christ to encourage them. And I've been able to use my network in order to uh, help them find a local church. So if you're here today online with us this morning, reach out to, to me via the direct message um, so I can help you find a local church. You can still watch us online, but you need to be in a local church with people that love you and care for you, can encourage you and strengthen you because I can't be there with you in person. God gives us gifts so that we can build up the church. And in order to use them effectively, we need to realize that all gifts and abilities, they come directly from God. Look with me in, in verse six. So having gifts that differ according to grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in uh, proportion to our family, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, 
the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Paul here is outlining and delineating uh, various gifts that are given in, in nature. And so before we talk about the gifts that are listed here, let's, let's first talk about grace. Because I think it's important for us to be able to understand what grace is. And the reason we serve each other is because of the grace that has been first given to us. The more you understand grace, I think the, the, the easier it will be for you to serve others. Take this for an example. Um, do, do kids still give get get allowances these days? Do parents still give kids an allowance? I see some head nods. So the question, I guess, another question: is, Do kids still do chores? <laughs> so when I was growing up, and we try to do this with our kids, you know, we have yeah, you do these chores. This is how much we'll give you an allowance. And some kids would would go through and they would have a sheet of paper and list the chores that they they've done. Like, oh, okay, I clean my room, one dollar. Wash the dishes, that's another dollar. Mow the lawn, that's another dollar. Take the trash out, that's a dollar. Finish my homework, that's, that's five dollars. I mean, you expected me to do a little bit too much when it comes to school. So at the end of the day, you owe me nine dollars, but why don't you just round it up to ten? How about that? Imagine a child giving this to his mother, his mother having a bill given to her by a kid for an allowance. So this is a works-based service. I did these things, so you owe me these things. You get to, is there something for something? However, what if the mother turned around and started her list? Let's see, I spent 16 hours in labor with you, no charge. I've taken care of you when you were sick, no charge. I put a roof over your head, no charge. I made you hot food, took you to your, your sports games and outings and all this stuff, kind of stuff, no charge. You can go on and on and on about all these things that we do for our children, our loved ones. This is an example of grace. This is an example of grace-based service. You see, grace is undeserved favor. You didn't do anything to earn this, but because I love you, I'm going to give it to you and expect nothing in return. That's how much I love you. We can all get this, those of us who have kids or going to have kids, and the kids are who are in the room. You see some of you looking down, but this is what grace looks like. We do this as parents, and God has done it from us for, since the very beginning, that he's given us grace upon grace upon grace. Romans 3 and 24, if you remember this, it says we are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Romans 5 and 15, but the free gift is not like the trespass, for if many die through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift of grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. Romans 11, 5 through 6. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen, 
by grace. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. You see, grace is a gift, and it's not a loan. Grace is given to you freely. It's not something that is repaid or given back to the giver. And the fact that you were saved by grace through faith means there is no cost to you as a sinner. But the price of this extravagant gift that was given was a huge cost for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It was a huge cost for, cost for him who gave his life and died in your place. Also, since grace is a gift, ownership of that gift has been transferred and is yours to keep. Again, it's not a loan. It's not there and you got to give it back one day. This grace has been given freely to you forever. And as the kids would say when, when I was growing up, there's, there's no take backsies. It's yours. God's grace is ours forever. So what, what are these gifts that Paul talks about in these verses as we wrap up this morning? Notice this is not an all-inclusive list. This is not all the gifts that God gives to his people. It's not exhaustive of what God has given uh, listed here, but is put into two high-level categories here. We see that there are um, uh, teaching gifts and that there are serving gifts that Paul addresses here specifically. The teaching gifts um, include prophecy and teaching, exhortation and leading, and the serving gifts that are listed uh, and are mentioned here are service, giving, and showing mercy. So nobody is going to have all these gifts in one package. I mean, that would be an incredible person. Somebody to have and embody everything that is listed here. We, we, we should strive for that, however, but none of us are going to do it well or perfectly. Each of us has to identify how God has uniquely wired us. And in many cases, uh, other people in the body help us to see how God has wired us. I, I didn't even think about preaching until somebody pulled me to the side and like, I think you would be a, a good preacher one day. I'm like, get out of here. <laughs> I don't want to do that. <laughs> don't you do know anything about me? I don't even like standing in front of people. But that put something in my head and I started to pray about it. Then I started to run from it. And God brought me back. <laughs> but sometimes we have to identify in others some of the gifts that we might not even see that where we have blind spots in, in the way where we conduct ourselves. The goal and the point is that you use your gifts for the good of the body. You need to be in a local church so people might be your own enjoyment. He's given it. So this is why it's so important to be in the local church. And if you're a if you call yourself a Christian, he's given them to you for a reason. I don't really feel like singing in the worship team. I, I just don't. There's any different events and things, but somebody else in the church could do that. I, I, I'm a teacher in school, and I just, I don't want to be dealing with you those gifts because he loves the church. You to use them to edify the church. So I'm going to leave you with this. 
what are you withholding from the church? You know, motivational speakers, they, they want to take you on a journey where they, you know, they start off high and they, they bring you to a place where you have to be introspective and understand and then they build you up and want to send you off on this amazing high about how great life is and the world and how great you are. But this is not a motivational speech. I want you to earnestly be thinking and praying about the gifts that God has given you and if you have been withholding them from the church. Not to beat yourself up, but to go and repent. To go to the Lord and ask for forgiveness for that withholding and to ask him how he would use you in order to build his church. Because you matter. You matter to me. You matter to the brothers and sisters who are seated here. For those of you on my, online, you matter to us who are here, even though you're not here physically. And most important, you matter to God. What has God given you to edify the church and to build up his body? Imagine how God can use you in that way. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. You've given us any and everything. The things that we wouldn't even think or consider to ask for, you've been faithful and loving to, to give to us. And there's so many things going on in the world today. There's so many things that we have on our task lists and calendars. But Father, help us to strip those things away and see how you uniquely wired us so that we can be a blessing to others. I love how you brought us together, people from different walks of life, different experiences, different skill levels. You brought us together through the blood of Jesus. You helped us to love each other, even through the times where we can sometimes be unlovable. But because of the amount of mercy and grace and love that you provided to us, we've been able to continue to walk together and love one another for our good and your glory. Help us to continue to do that. Not just so that we love one another within the four walls, but we would burst out of these four walls and love on our community in, in such a way that, they, that their lives would be changed for you. That they would look at the, the people that come out of this building and say it, how they're so grateful uh, for, for who we are because of who you are. Help us to do that. And Father, if there's anything that any of us have withheld from you, continue to work on us, shape us and mold us into your, your image so that we can step forward and that we can edify the body as we are being edified. We thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.